Well, thanks for tuning in to the Down to Earth podcast, uh, where I have very simple down to earth conversations with local church pastors and very blessed to have the pleasure of sitting with Trevor Hoffman. Uh, he's the pastor of Rid- Ridgewood Church, excuse me, in Greer, good old Greer, South Carolina. Uh, how you doing, Trevor? I'm good, man. Doing really good. How are you? Good, good. Can't co- Well, I could complain. I was going to say I can't complain, but as we both suffer as Gamecock fans, it's been <laughs> it's been a rough dude, one. <laughs> dude, it's a hard life, man, especially yeah. in the upstate of South Carolina. It is a very hard life. Oh, my gosh, dude. It's been brutal. But yeah. other, otherwise, uh, things are going things are going pretty well. Thanks for taking the time to sit and talk. I understand you had a, a family Thanksgiving. And speaking of your family, I, I think one thing that people want to know particularly Brad and Davey um, Hall. Who is the best Hall brother? You, it's the best Hall brother. People got to uh, know. Oh, man, it's I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to have to say it's a tie between Brad and Davey. <laughs> they're just both so precious. That's fair. So wonderful. Yeah. 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 They're both just jewels. Love just, those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolute peaches. Both of them. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I first I first met you at a some kind of party for one of them. I don't yeah. know if it was Brad's engagement party or something, but that's where I met you first. Um, and then I know we've we've crossed paths since then. I know you were substitute teaching at Shannon Forest. Oh yeah, dude. Well, yeah, I was I teaching that, there. Yeah. yeah. Um. So well, that was cool. Also, I mean, I, I know there's myriads of forester people out in the world but um i was uh one of your brothers i was at ngu with back in the day so that was my first uh brush with the forester clan the forester uh, family say, yeah <laughs> actually no 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 i'm i think i'm i'm lying i think uh i think your dad taught at meltdown um, yeah he sure did oh my was, gosh yeah when i was meltdown. in so yeah <laughs> dude that's hilarious man meltdown was classic um, I was just thinking about that the other day. Um, so that's funny. And then I think my brother Sean said he met you at like a, the somersault camp. I think. Yeah. Too, so, right? Yeah. So I, I met Seth and you, and then I met. Um, and the, yeah, I met Sean. He he was doing uh, when he was at somersault. Yeah, I was I, I did a couple of summers there as one of the preachers, and so, so we good. got to meet Sean and thoroughly enjoyed getting to interact with him he's a <laughs> he's a blast man there are no dude. Dude, the foresters each of you guys are just unique and full of personality and it's incredible yeah man we it's it's been uh i've been very blessed to say the least um but yeah sean he's he's a mess love that guy well i will uh, say my favorite forester is sean i will yeah. say that 100 <laughs> no offense taken um there's a, an ongoing debate amongst many people about that very conversation so <laughs> I love, uh, I love that. But well, for those that maybe don't know you super well, I mean, if you were to say, hey, I'm Trevor and about three to five sentences, you know, who who are you, Trevor? Yeah. So um, I am married to Emily. We have been married for 13 years. We got married actually the day that South Carolina beat number one, Alabama, um, <laughs> October 9, 2010. Yeah. Then we got married at halftime of that game. Saw Marcus Lattimore score a touchdown to put us up, I think, 14. <laughs> <laughs> and uh went and got married yeah it was great um That's so awesome. yeah i've been married for 13 years um we have four kids jude nate ruthie and hank mm. um how are they 10 10 7 5 and 8 months so um yeah i have four kids and a uh, pastor at ridgewood church as you mentioned in greer south carolina 
planted yeah. that church back in 2014. So I was going to ask because um, has Ridgewood, has it always been Ridgewood or did it, did it start um, as it did it kind of grow from some, I know online I saw something, but I felt like I remembered yeah. you. And when I was in college at North Greenville, you were a pastor at um, it's like, Greer Station or something like that. I think yeah, that's right. Called. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So we we um we planted as the church at Greer Station. Okay. In 2014. That's and right. in 2020, we were given a building, so we were we were mobile. We met in every nook and cranny that would have us um, in Greer. <laughs> we moved around like crazy, and uh, we we ended up giving a facility, being given a facility in 2020. Renovated it over about two years, then moved in, and that church was originally called Ridgewood Baptist, and it sort of just great folks there, but it just needed to close its doors. And so when they mm-hmm. gave us the building, because we were no longer in Greer Station, we just took the name Ridgewood as kind of a tip of the hat to those folks who, you oh, know, initially cool. founded that church in the sixties and the folks that gave us the facilities. So we took on that name, became Ridgewood. Um, and yeah, I moved in September of 2022. That's cool. Heck yeah. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. And what would you say? I mean, I guess from your your life and obviously you're a pastor and everything. So um, what's your story, man? Like in coming to repentance and faith in Jesus and um, what did that look like, you know, from the beginning into how you became, you know, a a lead, you know, teaching pastor at Ridgewood. Yeah. 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 So I grew up, um, I grew up in the church. My, my parents are simple in the best kind of way. Um, Simple Mm -hmm. people. Um, we just always super involved in church when I was a deacon. They were both really involved in teaching Sunday school, involved with the youth group. Um, and so for me, coming to faith was more like a sunrise and less like a light switch. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's many, many key moments that I can recall of mm-hmm. experiences, of, of uh, realizations about, you know, my sin, about my need for a savior. Uh, I mean, the most distinct moment for me is when I was 15 years old. It was a youth camp. It was 2002. And I remember the, the there was a skit that was sort of, I guess, inspired by Augustine's famous line about your heart, you know, his heart being restless until it finds rest in God. Mm-hmm. And um, the skit was kind of around that idea. And for whatever reason, it just really registered with me. Kind of that idea of like a restless heart, like pursuing fullness and wholeness in life and stuff that's only going to leave you empty. That just, just really clicked. And uh, that was... I would say if I had to pick out, you know, a key moment where I came to understand, you know, I need to be saved, it'd probably be that Mm -hmm. camp when I was 15. Um, And then, uh, and then just kind of from there, um, stumbling upward, you know, by the (laughs) Lord's grace. Um, So just kind of, I mean, dealing with that restless heart and, uh, you know, wanting something, finding it in Jesus, kind of continually being reacquainted with that um, over the years was really blessed to have some good man in my life who could who could sort of coach me up and disciple me and some mm. good older brothers and aunts and uncles of the faith and, and that sort of thing. Sure. Um, and uh, then when I was in college, I, I initially I went to North Greenville um, as a history major. I wanted to coach football and uh, teach high school history. Um, and when I was there, uh, I just had a professor encourage me to think about ministry and went home and took it really seriously, went home and started processing that with my parents and with some of the men at my church and they were really affirming in that. And so I ended up changing my major to Christian studies and kind of pursuing, you know, aspiring ministry, pursuing opportunities from that point on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just sort of following the doors that the Lord 
up and along the way. So that's awesome. So you went to be yeah. a football coach and I hear maybe South Carolina might have some openings. So maybe dude. I mean Hey, listen, you could I, be the guy. <laughs> we were hey, my the four, five, and six year old Greer termites, we were third place <laughs> in our league this year. So flag dude, football. So you've got a resume. So dude, I, I know how to dial it up with the four, five, and six year olds. So <laughs> come on. Come on, SEC. <laughs> yeah. I love it, man. I love it. After North Greenville, did you go, uh, did you have any other like seminary stuff or did you kind of go right into any other like local church positions yeah. or anything or what did that look like? Yeah. So I started, um, I was an interim halfway through my senior year at North Greenville. I was invited to do an interim uh, youth pastor position. They ended up bringing me on full time once I graduated. Cool. And, um, it was, I, I mean, it was, it was a good experience. Mostly what I learned was just how under-equipped I was. Um, mm-hmm. I was not great at being a youth pastor. The church agreed. <laughs> um, we part, we parted away. It, it was amicable. I mean, I, I just, I kind of, mm-hmm. I went to the pastor after two or three years and said, I just need more training. I just feel really under-equipped. Um, and, and I was, I, I was kind of, I was in a church that I knew you know, long-term, it wasn't my philosophy of ministry. I knew I wasn't going to be in this kind of church long-term, but I wasn't able to articulate exactly what my philosophy of ministry was in the positive, if that makes sense. It does. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I knew I needed some help sort of building that. I ended up um, sitting with a bunch of pastors in the area, uh, pretty much any pastor who would, who would sit down with me and just saying like, Hey, you don't have to pay me. I just, I would love some kind of residency where I could just sit and learn. I'll figure out work, but I just, I just want to be around you guys and learn. And I ended up connecting with a church at that time. It was called Renewal Church. It's called Christ Fellowship Cherrydale now. I ended up connecting with uh, the lead guy there, Matt. And he had a vision for a residency program. And I was a a, a stray puppy. And so he, he brought me in. <laughs> and uh, it was it was really good for us. It was good for my wife and I. Uh, they helped. I mean, it, it was a great experience at local church. I've, I've always loved being a part of a church. You know, I had a great experience. It wasn't a perfect church, you know, the, the one I grew up in. Sure. Um, but had a great experience. And so I was kind of reacquainted, you know, with my love for the church during that time with renewal slash Cheerdale. And I uh, did a residency with them where they gave me some opportunities to teach and lead and fail and kind of, you know, try my hand at some things. And along the way, they encouraged me to start a small group, which then eventually became the core team for what would be the church career station. So man, that's um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was cool really story. good for us. It was really yeah. good for us. It was, it was good to just kind of go. I mean, I was wide open. I wanted these guys like, listen, if you tell me to like Home Depot is what I need to do the rest of my life, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I mean, I was really wide open to being led um, and really hungry, hungry to to be led and coached up and um, was sure. eager to have opportunities. And they, they were super gracious to do that and, and to allow us to, to kind of get our hands dirty. Sure. I, really, I mean, a really formative time for us. And I, I think back fondly often about, you know, getting to – getting to work out with some of the the guys there and just talk about life and godliness and biblical masculinity, you know, as we're deadlifting, which was great. Um, <laughs> uh, getting to, uh, yeah, getting to participate in, in, in observe elder meetings and see these guys that they loved the body and the sort of things right. that they prayed for the body, getting to be in staff meetings and see their mm-hmm. philosophy of ministry put into practice. Mm-hmm. It was really helpful. That's so cool, man. I love that. It's always yeah. good hearing stories about churches that, willingly um like give people like you that opportunity because some 
some churches almost run it like a business where you have to have X amount of years of seminary, X amount of years of this experience, X amount of whatever, but to have someone like, and I know Matt, um, to have someone like him to be able to say, yeah, like come learn. And yeah, this, uh, I, I don't know. That's just really cool to hear that. That's kind of how you got more immersed and got that training in a sense that you were looking for is just by, uh, someone else, another mature believer being willing to, to teach and to, um, let you sit in on that. That's really, really cool. Um, 100%. and h- how long have you been at, I guess the totality of like Ridgewood, like that whole story, like how long have you been yeah. the teaching pastor in that capacity? Yes. Uh, April 22nd of 2014, we, we had our soft launch where we, we officially covenanted together as a church body, uh, April 22nd, 2014, we publicly launched September 7th of 2014. So Okay. We are like nine years, right at nine years. Gotcha. Some change. Um, and in, in that nine years, um, and I'm sure maybe things have changed and grown since then, but totally. you know, what would you say is one of your favorite things about Ridgewood and about, um, I guess how it's gathering represents Jesus and, um, maybe through the years or maybe if there's anything right now, like today in your current context, like anything stand out that you're like really grateful for? Yeah. I mean, I, I've been super encouraged by what was going to say. It? There's an earnestness that characterizes our church. Like you just don't get the sense that people are playing games. Mm-hmm. Um, not that everybody's like really like serious um, or like somber. That's not what I mean. But, I, but I mean, the, like there, there really is a, an earnestness about our, we are here mm-hmm. to know Jesus, to care for one another, to grow in godliness. Like there's a, there's a real hunger for discipleship, growth, fellowship, that sort of thing. I mean, right. I was, we had a, a, a year in celebration this past Sunday. And uh, one of the things that I specifically mentioned was just being so encouraged by the men in our body who are just meeting all the time. And there's just always guys getting together for breakfast to encourage one another, to mm-hmm. discuss the things that they're reading, to, uh, to talk theology, to, to talk about raising children, whatever, just, just mm-hmm. the, just a real kind of hunger for growth that, mm-hmm that I think characterizes our church that is super encouraging to me. Um, and then, I mean, just to, to speak about the worship gathering, kind of maybe one thing that I really enjoy, especially since we moved into our new space is the singing. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's something I love about our body and, and uh, our church podcast, we, we had Jim on yeah. uh, a, a couple of months ago to talk about his book <laughs> on singing. Yes. Um, but you know, our church just loves to sing and it's not like, they're not super expressive necessarily. Like nobody's, nobody's dancing or like, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you know what I mean? They're Baptist. Yeah. After all. Um, but goodness, man, they sing and it can be deafeningly loud. And it's just so great, mm. man. Just so encouraging. And it's always good to look around the room and know that the people who are singing, mm. you know, to know they're, they're singing through some stuff. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's, that's awesome. I've yeah. tried, you know, since reading Jim's book, um, I had him on, he was my first guest on this podcast actually. Oh yeah. And, um, like reading his book and I'm not great at singing, but I do love music and I love singing. And I, since reading his book, especially I've tried to make it more a habit at our small group, like our small group, we sing a few songs, a few hymns before we, you know, discuss the text of the sermon and everything. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, And then like at uh, the, you know, the Sunday morning gathering singing, like I've tried to get in a better habit of looking around a little more, try not to make it weird, but yeah, just to like look around and sing, singing the same you know hymns and things 
with each other. It there really is something special that it it's a gift. I think that in in churches can be easily neglected. Just the singing portion of the service. Um, and it's I don't know, man. It as the book would say, and Jim would go on to say, and it's just the corporate worship gathering is so much more than singing, but it's definitely not less than that. Hundred percent, and yeah. like. It's it is it really is powerful. So um, I love that your church is like that. Um, when, there, so when the, I, yeah. I was I was I mean this isn't a podcast about singing, but I was uh, <laughs> I was talking with some friends. Um, actually, our worship leader, he's a really big Clemson fan, and so uh, we were we had some time in the car together recently. And we were talking about how interesting it is to go to like a Carolina or Clemson game and how liturgical those settings are. Mm-hmm. Like you have these communal chants you have these communal songs and dude people are singing from their 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 absolute bones you know what i mean mm-hmm. um singing out and clemson you know they do the thing where they spell the clemson out and they have to do that because they couldn't they don't remember how to spell it otherwise and so they have to practice it. <laughs> um but there's i mean there it's a liturgical event and it's about formation and it's about directing hearts to to emote at a certain thing and it's amazing how mm. um in some ways, like you kind of see what the gathering is intended to be. It's about, you know, the gathering's about training our hearts towards Christ. And it's about sort of mm-hmm. developing these habits mm-hmm. and these corporate kind of liturgies train us right. that way. So yeah. it's sure you think about sports yeah. that way. You're exactly right. And granted, the Gamecocks haven't given us much to sing about, but that's one of the beautiful things about singing is we can sing <laughs> through right. the that's agony right. and oh my gosh. Sing oh. songs of lament. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. Of course, God. Lord Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, please. Uh no, that's awesome, man. I, I love hearing that. And it's it's encouraging um to know, like, yeah, there's another a local church out there that um is eager to gather together and to serve one another and to um you know, put the gospel on display for and with one another for each other, but also, yeah, for the, the watching world. So that's yeah. great, man. Um, what, what would you say is kind of the other, you know, side of the spectrum? Is there any particular area that maybe you or your, uh, uh, fellow pastors and your staff, maybe you want to see something change or, um, mature, develop anything come to mind? Yeah. Um, I think mature is a good word for it because it's the thing that came to mind for me was um, would love to see folks just feel more to be more confident in counseling. Um, mm. I mean, encur- I'm encouraged by how quickly folks move towards one another during tragedy. And, you know, they'll, they'll bring meals, they'll come sit and cry, mm. um, those sorts of things. But it's, it does seem like there's a little bit of a hesitancy there. I don't know if it's a generational thing. Our church is pretty young. Our average age is probably early thirties. Okay. Um, but there's a little bit, I think of a hesitancy there to like really uh, kind of dig deep with folks. Um, it seems like the default is to, is to just assume that a lot of um, emotional problems or some of those things are beyond their ability or their resor- mm-hmm. resources mm-hmm. to speak into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's the case. I mean, of course, you know, they're not doctors and some things require a doctor's expertise, but sure. I think a lot of things that we deal with, I think we were equipped to deep dive as the saints with yeah. God's word and his spirit kind of operative within us. So yeah. I just love to see maybe a little bit more confidence to really kind of get after it with people. Um, sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, as we talked about briefly, I'm currently 
trying to be accredited as a biblical counselor hmm. um, through the, I don't know if you've heard of the ACBC, but that's, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's what I'm kind of pursuing. Cause I, I feel the exact same way, man. I, I think there are a lot of things that people go through that God's word um, talks about, speaks to um, and can heal. And um, so I, I'm with you and, do, would you say there's anything in particular that maybe prevents other Christians from, I mean, using the formal word counseling might seem weird for some people, but that is kind of what you're doing, or if you would call it maybe like intensive discipleship or something. Mm. Um, do you feel like there's any common themes for why people are hesitant, like lack of yeah. biblical knowledge or lack of, I don't mm. know, what what is there anything maybe that comes to mind that you think might contribute mm. to that? I, th- I think maybe lack of biblical knowledge might be one. Just not having a lot of fluency with the with the scripture can be one. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I mean, I wonder. I mean, this is a bigger conversation, but I wonder if you know it's obviously a good thing that the stigma about mental health has been removed, and where that has kind of become more commonplace to talk about those things. But I wonder if one unintended consequence is that it's there's been a little bit of concept creep, and and so folks are afraid that anytime somebody's feeling down mm. they're they're sort of lumped into the category of capital d depression that only an expert can address Correct, when it, right. it could just be run-of-the-mill um you know normal kind of soul soul flu that just needs yeah. you know some truth and some um you know faithful presence from brother right. or sister you know, you know what i mean so yeah definitely um, i wonder if it's maybe something like that right do you feel like there could be any particular, and I don't know, I mean, some of this stuff, when it comes to local churches, some things could start from like the top down, but like, do you feel um, like there may be ways in which you or like your your staff can um, better equip or like, I don't know, like a mini series or on another night of the week or like, I don't know, like when it comes to yeah. that counseling aspect and helping your church kind of understand wow i don't have to have a degree per se to you know help a struggling brother or sister you know like do you anything you guys might put in place or like are you currently doing anything or what does that look like yeah uh, so one one um we've talked about doing some stuff like over an extended period of time like having some trainings Mm -hmm. specifically dedicated to equipping just average joe pew sitters for counseling but that kind of -of run-of-the-mill stuff um one thing that we're doing, we earlier this year we launched something called the Ridgewood Greenhouse, which is a residency targeted for like like when I was a, a lost puppy, kind of targeted for those lost puppies, mm-hmm. um, guys who who want some training as they prepare to go vocationally in the ministry. And as we we mentioned that to the body, and there was a lot of excitement, but we had a bunch of people raise their hand and say, "Hey, I don't want to go in the ministry vocationally, but could you do something like that for us?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we put together something we're calling Equip Intensives, where we um it's a kind of self-paced study for a quarter and then we come together on a saturday and spend several hours like kind of talking through the reading and and provided some guided discussion kind of like a phd cohort Um, yeah yeah and uh and one of those is on is on caring for one another counseling biblical counseling um, that's awesome as a way to just try and encourage people towards that yeah no that's cool man it's always good like when i've had these conversations with pastors before like yeah, here's an area where I want to see something change or mature, but then it's like, 
that'll never happen or like (laughs) um (laughs) not until this person yeah yeah, exactly so it's cool that you guys realize this about your church like hey here's an area that not only can mature but you have it sounds like you have members that willingly want to mature in that area um so i'm sure that's a great encouragement to you and your other pastors because you know pastors are equipping others for the work of the ministry and so Mm -hmm. It can be a relief to you, but an encouragement to you that your body is taking care of one another and it doesn't all relay on you or your other pastors. So um, that's that's always good to hear, man. That's awesome. Yeah, right on. Um, and another question that I love asking, um, because I definitely think theology is important. I could talk about this stuff all day, um, but theology that doesn't produce anything or fruit hmm. um you know, there's not a connection from the head to the heart. There's some kind of issue. Um, and so what I love to hear from other pastors is what's one theological belief um, that your church holds to? Um, and how does that belief, um, because you believe it, how does that impact how you guys actually do ministry, whether amongst yourselves, like we've kind of talked about, or maybe outreach or, um, you know, how would you kind of answer that with, with your church? Yeah. Can I, can I ask a question back at yeah. you? Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I should ask before we hit record. I, I'm curious. I mean, I have a, I have an answer in mind, but what, what, what yeah. have been some of the things that other guys have said? Um, We've had a few talk about evangelism, just kind of okay. more of a heart to kind of um actually share your faith and your average conversations, like wanting, you know, you've heard of different methods, like go to the same restaurants or go to the same places and develop, you know, those relationships and share the gospel. So, uh, I feel like that's been a pretty common one. Um, I think, man, I'm trying to think of another one. Um, I think Bible reading is one, believe Mm. it or not. I think, Mm. um, I have had at least one pastor talk about how often, you know, when he meets members for counseling or just to catch up and just say, Hey, like, what are you reading? You know, like what's God teaching it? They're kind of like, I don't know. And it's because they're not really mm-hmm. intentionally taking the time to read their Bibles and, um, study and, you know, follow Jesus by those disciplines. So I think evangelism, you know, regular Bible intake, I think have been two pretty, pretty common ones. I think, and I, I know there's some other random ones, but sure. I think, I think those are pretty ones that come to mind immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, have you ever have you ever heard of or read the book Delighting in the Trinity by mm-hmm. Michael Reeves? Yeah, excellent book. Banger. So yeah. <laughs> I uh it was but before you before you reached out and sent me this question, I had actually been thinking on on this kind of idea and I've been trying to to think about how to put it in the words. So I might process out loud for a second. I love so it. Let's me. do it. Um <laughs> but so I think about the doctrine of the Trinity and the doctrine of the Trinity as a kind of foundation for the life of the church what i mean is so you know what was god doing before creation and well because god's a triune god he was in fellowship with himself the father mm-hmm. was loving the son by the spirit spirit was loving the father by the spirit and that was like a like an eternal puritans use the word felicity you know it's like this mm-hmm. eternal kind of felicity this kind of bliss that extends forever backwards and will extend forever forwards um and then we ask why did god create why did this triune God who was completely happy and full and satisfied himself, why did he make? Mm. Um, well, it can't be 
because he was bored and it can't be because he was lonely. It can't be because there was any sort of lack in him. The only answer is because God was overflowing in delight and goodness and abundance. And so he, he creates everything like out of the generosity that is essential to his nature as a triune God, mm. uh, which is, I mean, obviously that's like very big. thought. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so, uh, so God's, God's perfect. God doesn't have lack. Nothing external to God can motivate God to do anything. Everything he does is in, intrinsic kind of to his nature. And so he creates from abundance. And so kind of that idea, like this, this idea of abundance and overflow and a kind of pouring forth. Um, when I think about the life of the church, both sort of the, the internal relationships and the external relationships, I think it's kind of shaped like, like mm. that kind of pouring forth. So the, the culture of generosity and hospitality, we hope it's, like the triune God who just, who pours out of abundance and he just gives and he's just mm. generous and gracious in that way. Or even the, uh, we've talked about, you know, our, we've sent guys out who have spent time with us to plant churches and pastor and whatever. And we want to have a culture of sending because we, we want to be like the triune God who's like sending and pouring forth, who's just always um, like a fountain that's overflowing continually we want we want mm. sort of our life together to just overflow into church plants and pastors being sent we, we want our the shape of our church's life and fellowship to be like that mm. does that make sense yeah it does no it's been a while since i've read that book too so that's a helpful yeah, kind of yeah. to jog my memory a little bit because yeah. there you know some who would say oh there's no way the doctrine of the trinity or <laughs> those kinds yeah, well, of so yeah so it, yeah sorry to interrupt you dude no, I, go ahead like I, I've said before, um, you know, when you like download a new app and it's like, do you agree to these terms and conditions? And it's like, you have not read that. You don't have a clue what that <laughs> says, but you agree so that you can use the app. It's like yeah. the doctor of the Trinity kind of feels that way. It's like, do you, do you agree to the, like somebody, mm. somebody told you, you got to believe this to be a Christian. You're like, I don't understand it, but I'll, I'm a, I'll agree to those terms and conditions if it means I <laughs> yeah. can be a believer, you know? Exactly. Um, and so like part of what helped me with part of what's so great about that book the lighting of the Trinity is he shows you like what it's for, um, mm. what mm. it does. If I can say it that way, like yeah. why it's why it's essential to God is triune and how like the gospel and mission and fellowship, how it all sort of has its roots. Sure. Back in that. I love that, man. Is there any particular way that your church intentionally does that? Like, do you guys have, you know, certain groups or different things on like your church calendar that you intentionally make time to kind of, um, pour forth, you know, like overflow into your communities or into one another? Like, what does that look like for you guys to have that belief of the Trinity and then to, yeah, kind of flesh that out a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we talk about um, generosity and hospitality a lot, open hands and open homes, just like that's, that's the shape of the life of a Christian is to have open hands and open homes. Um, invite people over for dinner, bless people, give your money away, be generous, give money to the church, give money to the missionaries, give money to the poor, you know, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. We talk a lot about that and the importance of that. Um, having a culture of burden bearing, rejoicing with those who rejoice, um, weeping with those who weep, outdoing one another and showing honor, Romans 12. Um, and then, uh -huh. uh, you know, I mentioned the greenhouse and like our desire to, to send, um, you know, we champion like, hey, we, we want, we feel like we have a good thing going here and we want to, we want to share the wealth, you know? Right. <laughs> so invest in people and mm. send them out so that you know, the Lord can, I mean, the local church is the hope of the world. Local churches right. led by pastors, so we want to we want to be 
devoted to helping train up pastors, train up key lay leaders and, and send them out as we have opportunity. Right. That's so cool. I, I kind of, I had a fifth question, but um, I think you might've answered it. <laughs> okay. Uh, because Talk to you about that. no, you're good. It's, it's, it's cool that you kind of mentioned that about what your church does and open hands, open homes, because I feel like there can be a lot of buzzwords thrown around in Christianity and, I feel like for as long as I can remember, it's been a while. I just feel like the word community has been kind of one of those mm. where to to do life with one another and to, you know, be involved in a community and all of that stuff just gets said a lot, um, which I think is good. And it sounds like you um, and your church don't just use it as a catchy word to for those seeking a church to know, Hey, we're, you know, we have this sense of community, but like you are taking what the Bible, it sounds like, again, especially in the book of acts and stuff, like taking those things of what you, you know, what a local church is and what it, it does um, because of who it worships. And it's like, mm -hmm. so I guess that question was kind of about, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, kind of those buzzwords and like, how can churches actually practice them? So would you maybe say you've already, answered it or like, is that yeah. kind of what you would say community is, is kind of what you've already described? Yeah. 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 I think so. I think it's opening your life. It's something we repeat is we put people not events on our calendar. Um, mm -hmm. So like, you're going to, you're going to eat dinner and you're going to blow leaves and you're going to do laundry. Like why not just invite people to do that with you? Um, right. As you're doing those things, try and move the needle towards Christ likeness with encouraging mm -hmm. questions and, and those kind of things. Right. Um, another another really helpful book. Trellis, have you ever read the Trellis and the Vine? You familiar with that one? Um, I don't think I have. I know I've heard of it, but I don't yeah. think I've actually read that. Yeah, it's an Anglican dude, and he so he uses the um the imagery of a trellis, you know, which is a structure to help a vine grow. And mm -hmm. he talks about like sometimes you have these formal structures of the church, the trellis, and they're intended to help the vine, which is the people, the spiritual life of the people grow. And one error we can make is spending a lot of time tweaking the trellis at the expense of the vine. And so mm. just having the, those categories in mind, like what's trellis work and what's vine work and understanding the limits of trellis work and like understanding mm. your job pastor is not trellis work. It's not to endlessly tweak the, the structures. It's, it's the vine, the structures serve the vine. So mm. um, I'd say as you think about it's helpful. Yeah, the I, that's a really helpful image to me. He's thinking about community and fellowship and discipleship and all that stuff. It's like, I mean, we're we're talking about things that are organic, and we're talking about human beings. We're we're talking about vines, you know. Right. And so, trying to be sure that whatever structures you have in place do serve those vines, and yeah. then like celebrate the growth of the vine, not the the building of the trellises. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, put that's people, good. not events, on your calendar, and and really sort of prioritize relationships and life right. together. Yeah, that's good, man. It reminds me of um, our men's group at uh, church, and I had the opportunity to actually teach from this a uh, couple, I mean, it's like a month or so ago, but Philippians 1, um, verse 9, it says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound mm. more and more. And uh, he goes into about you know being pure and blameless for the day of Christ and kind of the reason behind this gospel community and what it produces. And the word abound, is the same word used um, in the miracles when there's mm. this overflow, there's this mm. excess left over. And it's like, 
I don't know if there's a direct correlation, but it's like very interesting to me that it's the same word used that our love would abound like that, that there would be this excess, like you were talking about this overflow. And I, I feel like I've read like Mark Dever, someone talk about stuff like this in the Christian life that like those kinds of things aren't just the signs of like a mature Christian, like those types of things is what a Christian is. And it's like, mm-hmm. if we have been saved from our sins, you know, uh, through Christ and and by grace through faith, like these things are what are true of of His church and His people, and so it's really cool to hear from you that your church, um, you know, it seems like is putting this on display and is being very intentional about this abounding and this love, um, because that is what they have received in mm. Jesus. You know, so mm. I, I love that man. That's awesome. Yeah, that's right on, man. By the Lord's grace, I mean, we pray that that's the case, and that He, mm. we, we, um, yeah, we pray that He would, it would just increase more and more. Man. Yeah, dude, so good. Well, thank you so so much for again taking the time to to do this kind of last minute. I think I talked to you like two days ago, so yeah. <laughs> uh, I Happy really to do it, man. It. Yeah, and uh, thankfully, you know, we don't have to cry our Saturdays away or you know, at least Clemson's not in the playoff, I guess. So <laughs> I know where uh, we're talking yes. with a, a group throughout the weeks um we get a little a little bit of a break but <laughs> dude we just need them we need them to lose in basketball please oh my for gosh. the love of all that's good would somebody <laughs> please beat them in basketball <laughs> yeah. oh it's it's awful but man thanks yeah. again it's good it's good hearing from you thank you for um the work that you do i know being a pastor is not easy um by any stretch of the imagination mm-hmm. i know it's it is joyful work, but it's hard. Mm. It's hard work. And I'm thankful that it sounds like you've got a church body that supports you and is an encouragement to you wanting to help serve for one another. And so uh, thank you for being faithful um, with the gospel and, and your your church in Greer, good old Greer. Um, so, but yeah, again, I really do appreciate it. And um, hopefully this isn't the last time. Uh, maybe we'll yeah, have dude. you on again. <laughs> yeah, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate what you do. And uh, keep up the good work. Appreciate it, man. Thanks.